0: Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Ryan And today's special guest is Alexis Henderson. Alexis is a speculative fiction writer with a penchant for dark fantasy, witchcraft, and cosmic horror. She grew up in one of America's most haunted cities, Savannah, Georgia, which I just went to, and it is stunningly beautiful, which instilled in her a lifelong love of ghost stories. Currently, Alexis resides in the sun-soaked marshland of Charleston, South Carolina, just like me. The first time I've interviewed somebody in Charleston, but it sounds like you moved. We're going to talk about that in a second. Her upcoming novel, House of Hunger, will be released in the U.S. on September 27th, 2022. So we should be within a couple days of when this airs. Uh, so make sure you check that out on Amazon, wherever you, your local books or wherever you buy your books. Alexis, Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I didn't know you were in Charleston. I feel like I'm kind of like back home now.
0: <laughs> I know. I just moved to Charleston maybe uh, six months ago. And From where? Uh, so I was traveling. <laughs> People listen to the podcast. They'll know this whole story, but I was traveling for a year in an RV. Um, before that, I lived in Brooklyn, New York, nice. and uh, COVID hit. It was crazy. And uh, my wife and I just looked at each other and just YOLO'd it with our two kids. Traveled the country, rolled through South Carolina. And just never left. We like literally never left. We just fell in love with, yeah, fell in love with, with the low country, fell in love with the people and the weather and the food and the atmosphere and the ocean. There's just so much amazing, amazingness in this part of the country. But before we start recording, you said that you left, you moved states. So are you not a uh, Charlestonian anymore?
1: Sadly, I'm not. Although I, I moved from Charleston in the pandemic, like 2020, and I have been back three times for <laughs> vacation. So clearly, clearly, okay. I don't miss it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love Charleston, and I was, um, a li- was and am a little bit heartbroken to have left such a beautiful place. I don't yeah. think, um, I will ever live at a place that is like that beautiful again. Um, currently, I'm in Michigan, which was where I was born. I love it. It's gorgeous in a different way, but Charleston, yeah. like. I don't know. It's just like it's just a city that I feel like anyone could will fall in love with if they visit. Yeah. I don't know. It just is so gorgeous. Um and the food is really good. I don't know. I I can I, I want to like herd everyone to this one specific restaurant, um, Stella's. Okay. So good. Um Stella's. Okay. Yeah, it's like a Mediterranean-ish restaurant. It's delicious. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I miss Charleston all the time. Okay, all the that's
0: time. that's I'm I'm always in the I'm always in the market for food recommendations because it's you know hearing, hearing from a local is always the way to go. Um, and I agree. We, we rolled into Charleston. Um, I had been South Carolina curious on our trip and I was really excited to come to the state and, um, we rolled into Charleston. I'd never been before and we parked kind of downtown and I was like, where are we? Like, what is this place? It really is unlike anywhere in the country. Um, having been kind of all around, it has its own vibe, its own thing. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. So let's, let's see if it, this gets even weirder. Where in Michigan have you settled?
1: I'm in Lansing.
0: In Lansing. Okay.
1: Yeah. Which is actually where I was born. Um, okay. I live in East Lansing cause it's like technically two different cities, but um, okay. yeah.
0: Got it. Okay. My, my family's from the West side of Michigan. So I was like, if you say Grand Rapids then this is gonna be the smallest world podcast we've ever That's had, but crazy. I know, I know. I've been know. to
1: Grand Rapids many times. I'm looking forward to going back. It's a great um, city
0: too. It's a great yeah, little city Yeah, 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 um, so on to books, here we are now, I feel like we've known each other forever uh let's let's talk about books so so you are a speculative fiction writer, and this is something i I've had a zillion trillion conversations about, and I would love to just start a baseline here. how does one define speculative fiction what what is speculative fiction
1: that is a great question and one that I find that I pose to myself <laughs> more and more frequently. I, I consider speculative fiction to be like an umbrella term for everything that is not like grounded in reality. Um, mm. And I feel like I like it because it's kind of like a catch-all. It includes like um, science fiction, it includes fantasy, it includes horror. um, And because I kind of tend to write like the junctures between genres, like horror and fantasy, um, or maybe like a thriller with horror, like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that feels comfy to me and it allows me a lot of like space to flex my creative wings. Um, So yeah, I think it's just something that's, it's like reality, but not quite. Yeah it can be anything from a high fantasy to something that's just like a little bit of um light contemporary magic
0: got it okay so it's like an umbrella term it, it, it like covers yeah. a broad span of genres it's like a i don't know meta genre and there's other yeah okay like a catch all yeah i i've heard i've heard it defined in a couple different ways and so it's always interesting i, I don't feel like there's a, a lot of places where it, in the genre world where there's confusion on the term you know what i mean like romance everyone's pretty clear what romance you know fantasy maybe sci-fi is a little toss up there um but it's interesting speculative fiction tends to get a little like it gets a little hazy of what yeah. it is and what it is isn't. you know yeah um i
1: think that's why i feel so comfy writing in that space because i feel a little hazy as to what okay. i'm writing
0: <laughs> so like it
1: feels like it's a good fit for me yeah
0: yeah okay so um i want I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind a lot, and uh, I think it's something a lot of writers struggle with a lot and focus a lot of their energy on. I'm using the word a lot too much there, but um, I want to talk about failure, and I'm mm. curious if 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 you've ever taken like a two by four to the face of failure in your writing life.
1: Oh, absolutely. 2020 was a giant two by four to my (laughs) face. I mean, probably to everyone's face, but like, (laughs) like creatively it hit me so hard. And um, so I actually had a book that I was supposed to write. It was supposed to be a sequel to my debut novel. And I gave this book like 150%. I gave hmm. it more than I had to give. I should have drawn a boundary and not pushed forward with that project as hard as I did. But it resulted in trying to write a book that didn't want to be written. Um, And then having an actual total breakdown when I hmm. finally realized like, I cannot do this. Like, this is something that can't be forced. It doesn't matter how um how much i track my word count how hard i am on myself how hard i'm fighting for it this is a story that's just not ready to be told yet um so that all culminated with me like crying on the phone with my agent and i mean like <laughs> sobbing oh my. like my eye was twitching uh-huh. it, was, it was like one of the most embarrassing humbling but i think probably one of the best things that could have happened to me creatively um because i really i think got out of touch with myself um, while forcing my way through this book. But in my head, it was like, this is my job. Like you have one mm-hmm. job and you can't do this one thing. Um, you're being paid to do this and you still can't. And like, it it was so difficult for me to realize that like there are just some things that are beyond um, productivity hacks and, right. and like right. writing tips and like responsibility. Like sometimes you just have to wait. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was my big, my big failure. But I think in the end, it was really good for me um, okay. to go through that grueling experience.
0: You're, you're um, touching on something I don't like. I, I don't like, I don't like what you're saying. Like, it makes me feel <laughs> a little, what, one of the things specifically that is like, uh, that I'm not liking is this idea that there's some, some part of telling a story that is wildly out of our control. It, it, and and you saying that, I've not, I've not heard that before and it really stuck out to me. It's one of those things. I always take a walk after a podcast because I have to just like think about everything we talked about and like let it sink in. Um, but it's something that I'm going to take on my walk, which is like sometimes a book's not ready to be written. And I, I would love to just unpack that. Like, what does that mean? The book's not ready to be written?
1: You know, that is a question I asked myself so many times after writing this project because so I was just like what was it that went wrong like yeah. this is a project that I outlined like I know how to push myself to hit like 2,000 words a day or whatever it is yeah. you need to finish a book I can do it. Um, It's also strange because when I was write- reading back over what I was writing I wasn't thinking oh my gosh the writing is bad it was just not right it just it didn't feel the way that it was supposed to it wasn't the story that I wanted to tell when it was out on the page and I I wonder if the reason the story wasn't ready to be written has less to do with some magical thing about like the characters in the story and the setting and and coming to me like a blessing and more like, um, more like maybe I was not in a place where I was like mentally well enough or ready to tell that story. I think that I think I had maybe neglected myself a little bit um, Hmm. in a lot of areas and maybe, maybe I did have more control over whether or not that story would have flowed out of me, but I I just wasn't filling myself up um, enough at the time to produce. So I I have, you know, I know some people believe in like this idea of like muses where like a story just kind of comes soon. You just have to wait until it's ready. And I'm not that campy, I guess. I I think I'm a little bit more agnostic in my creative approach. um, But at the same time, I think what did humble me was this realization that even if I do everything right, but sometimes the book that I'm left with is just not the one that I wanted to write. Um, and even if I try to rewrite it and write it again, write it again, sometimes the only thing that can kind of fix a creative project is time away. Um, I hate it too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely it yeah. infuriated me. I was so pissed off for like weeks afterward. Um, i just sure. like fuming. Yeah. Because I yeah. think there's this idea that like we earn books with, hard work right so like we put in the work we hone our skill we create the outline we do the right things we show up and then as a reward we're left with like a book like a book that we're hopefully proud of and that we like but I think that sometimes things don't shake out that way um and yeah that I I hated it (laughs) and I still kind of um fume, but I have I have thoughts and feelings as, as to why maybe that particular book didn't pan out and I think it's because I wasn't necessarily having fun and I don't know how I could have made myself have fun but I think that's what I lost touch with was a sense of like enjoyment and whimsy and excitement about what I was writing
0: yeah what what's interesting what's interesting I'd love to hear thoughts on this I've often thought and wondered if these stories exist outside of the writer not, not quite in a muse where it's like you're beholden to this thing to come down and sprinkle muse dust over you to be able to work. I I don't, I don't mean in that capacity. I mean that the story for some reason exists in some dimension or in some reality, maybe we can't quite understand. And even if that reality is only inside of ourselves, dimensions inside of the human persona that we haven't unpacked yet, and it was like a hundred years ago we even figured out psychoanalysis. It's like we mm-hmm. don't know that much about ourselves. You know what I mean? Like there could be a that's lot more true. underneath. Yeah, there could be a lot more underneath that that surface that is blind to us. Because as you're saying that, there's a part of me I hear that there's a will, there's the talent, there's the you know, quote unquote discipline, which is a shitty word for writers, but like that that's there. There's the craft, there's all the right components, but there's a separation between you as you exist in some physical form with some abilities and this story that couldn't quite make its way from where it was at through you onto a page. And it makes me think that there's a separation. There's two different entities. Is that fair?
1: I think that's fair. You know, sometimes when I'm writing, when it's going well, I feel like I'm just reporting on something. Yeah, right. It's like, it's already happening whether or not I write about it. And I just need to, to get the details right and get them down as quickly as I can and so that to me I think is really indicative of what you're saying like that sounds real and true to me that like maybe there is just a separate world existing and we are somehow channeling it and and in our writing and 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 when we get it wrong it's not necessarily because the story isn't there it's just because we're not writing it down right or we're um not perceiving it in the way that it's meant to be perceived or yeah. Yeah.
0: That feels yeah. right
1: to me. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I like that interpretation.
0: Yeah. Young, Young has this concept of like the shared consciousness, you know, where it's like all people share a certain consciousness. Um, it, it, it can be a controversial topic. I, I buy into it. Like I'm hook, line and sinker. I believe that. I think that's where the archetypes come from and these shared stories come from. But um, it's almost like there's a certain frequency. Some stories are tuned to, and sometimes we're not tuned in the same frequency and, and or get out of tune, you know. And it makes it really hard to take that story into into the real world then, like to to translate it, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um, I absolutely agree.
0: Yeah. It's 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 one of those concepts you'll never prove. It it and it's just fun to think about. It's a thought experiment. It's maybe a paradigm to live by but it's like i have no proof of this i just made this up kind of um but it makes sense in my brain at least um mine too yeah. yeah so 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 you had this tough year um you worked on a project um suffered suffered the heartbreak the tragedy of failure i sometimes get get really mad when people glorify failure they're like you got to fail failing's it's the best way to go for it and it's just kind of like yeah but it really hurts when you actually fail and it costs you something, it hurts like hell. Like it hurts. Yeah. Um, and so like how did you get back to the desk? Cause some people might have just thrown the towel in. Some people have been like, This this is stupid. I'm not doing I'm gonna go do something that doesn't require me to rip my soul to pieces. Um so how did you get back?
1: Um, you know, I, I really thought for a lot, a lot of twenty twenty that like I, I was a one book and done author. Like I thought that maybe i was just irrevocably mm. irre- broken in that way like it just wasn't yeah. gonna work again for me i was never gonna find that spark again because i f- went through so much of that year without it and um i remember my editor was like you know I oh, we need another book from you like you know you, you have to publish something as two book deals so what, what's gonna happen and i was like I don't know I just didn't have something you know I was Mm -hmm. for the first time in my life just had nothing nothing no ideas and so I actually went back um to this partial mostly actually it was like a completed draft of um but very rough completed draft of uh this project I had been working on um that I worked on right after I sold the year of the witching and it was just this like kind of like vampiric novel it turned into a novel that um it's going to be published a week from now house of hunger but um, at the time i don't even know if it had a title it was just like um this like really messy draft and it was a lot of it wasn't good um but it was written with like a lot of like i guess like a lot of like passion i could tell i was having fun even though the material was very raw and not polished and reading this i was like almost able to remind myself of like oh, like this is supposed to be fun. Like you were clearly having fun here. Mm. And I think that kind of began to pull me out. So I was like, I'll just kind of fiddle with it. I'm not going to set word count goals. I'm not going to write things that don't feel fun. I'm only going to write the parts that are interesting to me. And I'm just going to see what I can do. And I was able to like do it step by step. Um, mm. and that that book really brought me back. And I remember just like, you know, when you get like so low that you're just like, you're literally fully at the bargaining stage. I was like, I will write anything in any genre if I can just <laughs> have fun again. Like yeah. I will do I don't care what it is. Like if I can just have fun and write something that feels at least a little bit more effortless and like not as much of a burden, then I'll do anything. And I remember that writing House of Hunger just trying to follow that instinct and have a lot of fun um and that carried me through the book and i think that that fixed me um in a, in a way or at least it, yeah. it taught me what i was what, what i had somehow through the publishing process it taught me something i had forgotten um yeah
0: yeah yeah uh did, did you feel as if did you feel as if the the book that failed the unknown title we won't even name it the name that shan't be named uh <laughs> do do you feel as if you had a different North star on that book other than this should be fun. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to follow my passion. Like, like, were you, were you pointed towards a different direction, maybe publishing success or my, well, my audience like this, or is this up to some sort of literary standard of whatever somebody created where were, were you pointed in a different direction as you look back uh,
1: with the book that sh- should be written was I like in a different, I
0: was, yeah. yeah like, sorry. Um, yeah, more, more, I, I'm trying to parse out, right. Because, because a lot of people are are going to be sitting in a similar spot in their, in their life in their writing life where they're, they're, they're hearing you speak and you're speaking into their soul because they're like, I cannot write anymore. I used to be able to write and I cannot write. And I'm trying to understand what I'm trying to unpack is like, did you have a uh, did your Norse star of how you were working and what you were working towards shift from one thing in the book that shall not, not be named to this needs to be enjoyable. I need to have fun in a project that wound up being successful um, because that type of shift is really powerful. I mean, like it's an entire perspective and the whole worldview can change with those things. I'm curious if you can recognize that as you look back.
1: Yeah, I think, I think I can. I, I think What I remember feeling with the book that shall not be named was just um, pressure. And Mm. I remember feeling like even really positive things that people said about like anticipating the book and like looking forward to it felt like hurry up. And that's not Mm. their fault. That's on me. Um, But it felt like this like hurry up or, uh, you know, I have to meet this expectation that someone else has set for me. And um that was, oh, it was really hard. And I think like my readers, like the readers that I've had who said those things to me are just kind and excited. But I think I had this fear for the first time in writing of like disappointing someone that wasn't just myself. Um, yeah. And I made a lot of creative decisions with that. So maybe that kind of became that, that North Star, like don't be a failure. And I've never right. created from a space like that. And it was horrible. It was so soul crushing Um. to, yeah. to, be in that space but that was i think i think that was just me a little bit kind of cracking under under the publishing pressure i know that so many authors talk about that like second Mm -hmm. book syndrome where you're just kind of like struggling through something and as a rule i'm pretty superstitious about my projects like i i like to not even talk about them to really anyone usually I mean, sometimes i will my agent but a lot of times i don't like to talk about projects until they're basically finished and that was my rule before i published the year of the witching so to go from that to uh, you know a second book that is cropping up on amazon and, and people are talking about it and stuff like that before i've even finished the first draft was like oh my gosh it kind of felt like in an auditorium in my underwear like on stage like yeah. just like everyone <laughs> it was like eyes yeah. on me while i was writing and it was it felt not good. Um, yeah. But I had to learn how to deal with that. I think it's like, I, I kind of hate hearing myself whine about it because it's like, well, you wanted that though. You chose to be a published author and this is what comes with it. But I think that I was ill prepared for the kind of boundaries I need to set within myself um, when it comes to allowing other people's um, expectations to shape my creative
0: process. Yeah. And And I think, I mean, the, the reason this topic is so important that, and we're spending so much time talking about it is just because a lot of people, even before they're published, are placing expectations that are crippling on themselves. Yeah. And um, one of the things, one of the things whenever I kind of talk one on one with writers is like, listen, high expectations are oftentimes going to lead you to what we call writer's block. Um, which which essentially is like you cannot get into flow. Um, the stakes are too high for your brain to disengage because every moment you're writing, there's something else going on in the back of your brain. You're questioning your writing decisions, cresting your narrative decisions, plot decisions, character decisions, to the point that that chatter, I mean, in like, you know, in like Eastern philosophy called monkey mind, which is great because that's really what it feels like. That monkey mind just is overwhelming. And so... Th- this, this, to sum this up and to kind of pull this into it, because I was trying to be really practical, really, you know, here's this amazing, not amazing, you know, this uh, experience you had. And we can now amazingly take from that experience and try and pick, like, OK, what, what can we parse out and learn from this? It's it's uh that North Star is critical. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like your the, your your face as you talked about the pressure and expectation completely shifted as when you were talking about writing for joy. J- just just your 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 exact energy flowed so quickly between those two things, and that's so powerful for writers out there. If you're like, "Hey, the words aren't flowing, one of the things to immediately examine is that North star and the pressure and the expectations you're putting on yourself um and and maybe talk to a friend or talk to somebody to help you figure out how to like have a high standard but low expectations, and that's two different things um
1: yeah, oh, I love that,
0: yeah. Yeah, Without being too preachy, I, I don't want to be preaching people, but I see this a lot where people are like editing the same paragraph 500 times, you know, yeah. over and over and over and over again, because they think it's not perfect. And it's like, listen, you, you got to work through, um, you got to work through that North Star of perfection before you can be able to move forward, unfortunately, in this life. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good, heavy, heavy but important topic. Um, I I, I do want to switch gears though to to a different topic that I've I've been fortunate to have a a fair amount of horror writers on the show. Um, writers who write scary stuff that I get scared about, um, because I'm a big scaredy pants. Um, what what is it? You know, you write dark fantasy, witchcraft, cosmic horror. Um, what is it about that world? Of the spirit realm, or however you would describe it, that for you as a writer is like really fertile ground. Like, what is it you can explore there, thematically, or from a character or plot or whatever it might be that maybe is not necessarily you're able to explore from a different—I don't want to say genre, but you know—if you're writing just straight, I don't know, modern-day literary fiction. You know, uh, what 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 is it that that you can access from that space?
1: I, I really think when it comes to that, that space and like writing about kind of like the great unknown, let's say mm-hmm, like this, mm-hmm. you know, the, the spiritual realm, it's like, to me, there's just truths that can be expressed that way that can't necessarily be as easily ex- expressed bluntly. Um, I don't know if, you know, I'm making sense here, but it's almost like there's things that I, I feel when I'm writing horror. Um, that I don't feel when I'm necessarily just talking about like real life experiences. And mm-hmm, I think sometimes mm-hmm. real life experiences get close, um, but with horror, it's those those feelings, and those complicated, dark emotions, some of which I'm even like maybe ashamed of or frightened by, they feel evocative and somehow I feel safe to feel them within the context of horror. Maybe because it's like, oh, it's not real. It's still, kind of, still make believe, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, I think horror does allow me to kind of, confront things that I just I can't in reality um I'm thinking just like even um even just like the idea of death right that like one yeah. day I'm just gonna end up and it's it's over it's easier for me to confront kind of a monster that represents death than to sit here and think about like one day my mom isn't gonna be here or yeah, one day you yeah, know yeah. the kitten I just got is gonna go um and I, I do feel as though like I'm I'm processing real things but in a way that that feels so much sheltered or safe um so that when these things oh, happen in reality, I'm more ready to, to comprehend them. Um, I'm perhaps more, more brave or maybe have a deeper more a more deep understanding of how I how I work through those things. Um, you know, people say like, oh, you're brave for writing. i like, I think you're brave for writing about reality. <laughs> like, <laughs> reality to me is like a lot more scary. Yeah. Um, and I would much rather deal with something that I know logically I know is not it's not real, you know. That's
0: so interesting. I've not heard it that way, but but that makes total sense. I get really scared and too scared to pay attention to things and then I wind up being scared at night and I don't sleep. So I, I tend to like dabble in horror, but I always get so afraid that it it's like crippling. But now that you're saying that, I wonder if the things which are represented in horror are just that scary to me and I'm not prepared mm. to face them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm. I think that like m- mm. most horror monsters and motives are like, you know, express something, you know, something that we're not ready. Yeah. I think, you know, vampires oftentimes are a representative of like pestilence. Um, I think that like uh, demonic possession in horror movies is often like a parallel for like mental health and feeling out of control in your own body, mm-hmm. your own mind. And so sometimes these things can hit us in a really visceral way, um because of what they represent in reality, I think. Um and for I think for horror like people who write horror, maybe it makes it easier to digest. And I think that yeah. um you know I can totally see how someone would be confronted with those images. It's just like it's too much, too much yeah. all at once. But for me, I feel like I'm actually releasing something. Like, okay, finally we can talk about this. Yeah, yeah, and I can yeah. experience it in a way that feels safe.
0: That's so um that that's so uh, interesting. I've, I've never thought about it kind of from, from that perspective. Cause I've thought I, the, the parallel that came to mind is I've thought a lot about like true crime, d- different, different topic, but like, why do we like true crime? Like, like why do we have podcasts and YouTube shows and all this stuff about horrific things that happen to people and they have, you know, so much popularity. And I, I, th- I do think you're right in that it like exercises a piece of our fear. Um, that allows us to experience it, but in some sort of like safe confines. Mm. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that yeah. one. I'm going to have to like chew on that one. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, hmm. I
1: heard an a interesting theory. Of, it was a, I did not come up with this and I can't remember where I heard this theory, but there was this idea that in modern society, we're so far removed from things like, um, like death for example yeah. like back before we used to have to like kill our own chickens to have right. you know <laughs> our our roast at the end uh, our sunday yeah. roast you know um and even like funerals oftentimes you know happened in the home like the the body mm-hmm. would be kept in the home and we would view that de- the, the body there and now i think a lot of the the more grim or grotesque parts of life are kind of uh sequestered off and and we don't mm-hmm. encounter them but mm-hmm. maybe there is some part of us that's like wait this that's not it's not right it does not feel right and maybe horror is kind of our way of um replacing that or, or kind of comprehending that or introducing those grotesque things that are a part of life back into our modern lives mm. um and that makes sense to me too I, i'm like i wonder if that that is it that we know that there's some part of us that should naturally be encountering these things yeah we've just created a society where we don't really have to um directly anymore um yeah. and so we seek them out
0: interesting yeah, that kind of goes, I, I honestly, as you're saying that, it kind of goes full circle back to this idea that there's something um, existing outside of, like the, the monster represents something existing outside of our everyday life mm. that our shared consciousness understands to be important and and should be explored, even if it's not something that we directly come in contact with. Mm. Oh, so much to think about. So much to think about. (laughs) With that said, I just looked at the time and I was like, um, this one's hard to believe. I feel like we literally just started talking. Um, okay. I got to like two of my questions. This always happens. I have so many other things to talk about, but I ran out of time. Um, we're, we're going to transition out of the final questions uh, for the show. I, I asked the same exact questions, and I've almost gotten to the point where I'm doing the preamble the the exactly, exact same, so I'm going to try and say it differently this time for all the people who listen every week. Um, I asked the same questions for two reasons. The first reason is because I like the questions, and it's my show, so I could do whatever I want. And the second reason is because so much of the part of the show is a focus on uh, you, the writer, creating your own way to create. Um, There is not one correct way to put words on the page. There is no book to tell you how to do it. Uh, There's not some guru who has your answers. The writing process, so much of it really is, especially at the beginning, learning how you create the right process for you. And I hope that these answers, because they're all different, everyone gives different answers. Uh, I just hope show that, like there's not all these wonderful, beautiful authors on the show. No one says the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> like mm-hmm. everyone has their own answers. You're going to have your own as well. And I and I hope that's encouraging not to fall into this idea. Uh, this isn't school. There's not a right and wrong answer here. Uh, you have to find your own way. And I hope these answers help you, help you get there and maybe make you laugh or smile or whatever. With that said, preamble done. Uh, let's jump d- dive into, jump, dive, all the different ways I tried to say that into these final six questions. So the first question is this. Uh, what do you view is your role as a storyteller?
1: um let's see i I would say to observe the familiar and make what seems familiar feel strange.
0: Mm. <laughs> to observe the familiar and make the familiar feel strange
1: mm.
0: i'm gonna yeah. have to un- I'm gonna have to unpack that one. Will you give me one more sentence or two I, or three I- or four? <laughs>
1: I I like I think my role or my comfy spot as a storyteller is to take tropes or ideas, witches or vampires. Yeah. Um, and use someone's familiarity to like lure them in, like almost like their familiarity is like a hook. And mm. I pull them into my world where the things that they think are familiar are just slightly askew or different. And hopefully that makes them think of things in maybe a different way. Um
0: yeah. Interesting. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, okay. Uh, second question. What is the one word that best describes you?
1: Probably whimsical.
0: I whimsical. Think. Okay. Yeah. Whimsical. I like that word. I don't know if we've gotten whimsical before. Uh, okay. <laughs> Next question. If you had to pick a spirit book, so this is a book that if you died and you were able to be reincarnated as a book, this is the book you would choose to spend all time as, uh, what book would it be?
1: Good night, moon. Easy interesting okay coziest book ever i want to live there i could spend eternity in that little house in that little room
0: oh so interesting i just uh read that book coincidentally enough um small world on that one uh okay next question is there a specific tool pencil software chair uh coffee tea anything at all that you absolutely must have to write
1: um i think i need a calendar um just so I can write down like what I'm doing every day and then look back and mm-hmm. know that like, even if I'm only writing two words a day, I'm making progress.
0: You have made progress. So, so you mm-hmm. like to keep track of progress. you have like a system in place for that.
1: Yeah. It helps me feel, I guess like encouraged and like yeah. things are happening and plants are growing and I'm, <laughs> I'm growing as a person. And a writer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. The podcast episode number two is going to be talking about that. Cause I, I, I love talking about like the actual process, like nitty gritty nuts and bolts of creation i i think it's really important and under discussed but we'll do that on round 2 okay uh we kind of touched on this but let's let's dive into it specifically how do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life
1: um let's see well i i normally become more reclusive the more stressed I get um so I take time away from social media and stuff when I find myself getting overwhelmed but I think I also these days like we were talking about earlier I just try to pursue whatever is most fun to me and um something I've started doing lately which has nothing and everything to do with writing but I have like what I call kid days where I try to channel the person that I was when I was like nine years old. And I'm like, mm. what would you nine year old Alexis like to do today? And normally that's like animal crossing. Sometimes it's like finger painting, yeah, eating dessert yeah. for dinner. Yeah. And I find that like after I've had a kid day um, where I'm just like doing whatever I want to do, having fun, watching horror movies, eating candy at like nine in the morning, whatever it is. After I've done that, I feel like I've had like a week long break from everything. from writing. It's just like a recharge. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then it like when just I'm scratches so yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like it's a it's a recharge where I can just like not have to think about anything related to writing. and then when I come back to writing, I find that I'm having a lot more fun and maybe more in tune with what i what I enjoy so
0: mm. I love that. I love that. um, I have a Brian Day coming up, um, but I'm not gonna eat candy at nine a m and watch movies, but now you've given me some ideas now I'm like maybe I'll just my candy and, and and stuff like that is like ice cream and video games. Like, so maybe I'll start that early and and take your advice on that. I really like that idea. Um, you should go big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, why not? Life's short. Uh, mm-hmm. Last question for you: If you could give one piece of advice to new writers out there, what would it be?
1: I used to say, like, finish what you start, just because I think that at least mm-hmm. when I was a new writer, I had this trouble of, like constantly abandoning projects. But I think that depending on what you're writing, sometimes I can just push you straight into burnout. So yeah, yeah. I say, write whatever you find the most fun. And if you find yourself continuing to abandon in projects, then maybe try to find something that is the most fun within the project you're working on. Even if that means skipping around and writing, not in chronological order, but yeah. just write whatever feels the most fun that day.
0: I love that. Um, where can people find you on the internet? How can they learn more about uh, you?
1: I'm on Twitter, um, and my handle is at um, Alex H. Writes over on Twitter. On Instagram, I'm at Lexis, L-E-X-I-S-H. Um, and then uh, my website, alexishenderson.com, has links to uh, my newsletter, which is over on Substack. Yep. Um, and I try to put out a newsletter every month-ish, depending.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, House of Hunger comes out in about a week. When we're recording this, when the podcast goes live, it should be out in your bookstores. So check it out wherever you buy books. Um, Alexis, thank you so much for the time. I I I want to call out how much I appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable on the show. Talk about failure. Talk about the hard parts of this life. Um, I know sometimes you you know it's it's hard to show that uh, we've we've been hit. You know, and, and yet there's just so much. Um, there's so much growth that everybody who listens to the show will gain from that. And so I appreciate that. And thank you for me learning so much from you, but then also all the folks who won't be able to say thank you to you who just listen to you through their ears uh, on their behalf as well. It's been really great to spend time with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great and cathartic. I feel really good what you're talking about all of a <laughs> Some, <time. laughs> Sometimes
0: people say it's like a therapy session. So uh, ho- hopefully it wasn't quite there, but uh, yeah, it's so good to talk to you.
1: Thank
0: you. You too. Uh, If you haven't yet, please check us out on happywriter.co where you can join our writing membership for free. Come hang out with us. Enjoy a writing community. Also, leave us a rating for you on iTunes if you can. It means the world to me. Lastly, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.